0: Welcome to the Spine Talk Podcast, presented by Texas Back Institute. For more information about Texas Back Institute, visit www.texasback.com. And now, your host, Art Young.
1: Two youngsters have traveled halfway around the world to receive operations for their severely deformed spines. I am Art Young for Spine Talk, and our guest today will be performing those two very difficult operations. Welcome, Dr. Ted Bellinger. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, how did you get involved in helping patients on the other side of the world in Ethiopia?
0: Well, as anything uh, goes like this, it's a long story, but uh, the short version of it is that I had some friends and colleagues who had connections to Ethiopia, and I had always wanted to do something like this uh, to give back and to try to fill a need in uh, a different part of the world that really doesn't have access to the kind of care and skills that we take for granted in America. Uh, so through those friends, I, I traveled to Ethiopia back in 2010 and uh, made more connections and, and more friends there. And, and the project has just sort of grown and taken on a life of its own since then.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing story. And uh, we, we're we going to link this we're going to link this to various places where people can catch up with what, uh, what you've been doing. Tell us about the two patients whom you are scheduled to perform surgery. Uh, who are they and what are their conditions?
0: Well, we're very excited about this because this is the first time that we've been involved in bringing one of our Ethiopian patients from Africa to the United States to have surgery. Uh, Most of the rest that we have taken care of over the last six years, their surgery has been performed in Ethiopia. And that comes with certain limitations and challenges because of the differences in facilities and equipment and resources that that we have there. One of the patients uh, is a 13-year-old girl uh, who has severe idiopathic scoliosis. That's a condition which we commonly see in America, but usually American patients get evaluation and treatment in a more timely manner because they have easier access to specialists. So, for example, uh, a 50- or 60-degree curve of scoliosis is an everyday patient for a scoliosis surgeon in the United States. Uh, In Ethiopia, I commonly see patients who have curves in excess of 100 degrees and sometimes worse. Uh, and those patients are extremely challenging surgically. Uh, The patient that is coming for surgery next week has a curve on the order of 100 degrees, Uh, although interestingly, one of the things I need to do is get an up-to-date x-ray to find a real answer as to what her curve magnitude is now. Uh, It was over 60 degrees a year ago, and because of her age, I know that she has progressed drastically in the last 12 months. The second patient is a 20-year-old male who has a condition called ankylosing spondylitis, uh, which actually some of our listeners uh, and interested parties may have some familiarity with because there are now radio commercials uh, all over the place talking about ankylosing spondylitis. It's a condition where your body's immune system has an abnormal inflammatory reaction that affects your joints, particularly in your spine, and causes you to develop a combination of spontaneous fusion of your vertebrae together along with severe deformity that leaves you bent over in what we call kyphosis, where you have a forward curvature of your spine. So this patient, when he stands up as straight as he can, his upper chest and head are basically pointing at the ground uh, as though he has a 90-degree bend in his spine that he has to live with. So this is extremely disfiguring and very disabling, and he's not going to be able to take care of himself for the rest of his life or or have a, a manual labor job where he'll be able to feed himself. So he is currently essentially homeless and has to beg for food and money. And he has been taken in by uh, my friend, Dr. Rick Hodes in Africa, who uh, gathers these patients through his foundation and provides a way to get them to someone like me who can provide uh, assistance and care for them. His situation is too complex for me to try to take on in Africa. The kind of surgery that he needs is extremely advanced. And it requires a lot of special knowledge and tools and resources and would frankly be too dangerous to do in that environment. It's no exaggeration to say that his surgery will be one of the toughest surgeries that I've ever tried to do in my practice in 12 years of doing complex spine surgery.
1: Wow. And and uh, Dr. Hodes and yourself have, have, have enlisted a lot of other partners in this operation. Who all is involved in this from the hospital to the staff? Uh, who all of you enlisted to, to make this happen?
0: Boy, I hope I don't forget anyone. There's a well, long we'll him, list. We'll
1: put them in a written form. We'll put them in a written form. Don't worry. <laughs> just give us the I
0: the uh, the Cliff Notes answer, uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, we couldn't do this without the bravery of the patients involved. I mean, I'm always in awe that they are uh, willing to let some stranger from America come and do some very complicated surgery on them when often they don't speak any English and many of them have never even seen a white person or an American before. Um, so a big testament uh, to their bravery there. Uh, Dr. Hodes and his organization, uh, which is called the American uh, Jewish Joint Distribution Committee, uh, they provide a tremendous amount of assistance and support, and they really do a lot both medically and financially to get these patients to someone like me who can then do their surgery and follow-up. In uh, our current endeavor with the two patients coming to Dallas for surgery, Uh, I would have to uh, give a big thank you to the Medical Center of Plano which is a hospital uh, in Plano that has volunteered the hospital services including staffing and anesthesia uh, post-surgical care the surgery itself and uh, a an open-ended stay at their new rehabilitation hospital all free of charge for these two indigent patients. Without that generosity, I would never be able to to do this. It would be far too expensive. Uh, I also need to mention uh, the generous support of some of the uh, surgical implant companies, Uh, specifically Medtronic has generously uh, agreed to donate the implants, the screws and rods and other uh, spine implants that are necessary to do these kind of complicated reconstructive surgeries. The expense of those implants alone would be uh, something that we could not overcome without uh, it being donated free of charge. Uh, Other companies, uh, such as Masonics, uh, have donated the use of their uh, specialized equipment called the bone scalpel free of charge, which is usually something that we uh, have to pay for to use. Um, There's uh, countless volunteers, uh, personal friends and family Uh, My company that I work for, the Texas Back Institute, uh, supports this every way that they can possible uh, to make it happen. I have other partners at the Texas Back Institute who are uh, either helping me directly to perform the surgery, uh, and that's Dr. Andrew Simpson for at least one of those two cases. And they're also giving me uh, the uh, uh, support of their knowledge and input and advice about uh, surgical planning and execution to try to make this as successful and smooth a process as possible And I couldn't do this without all
1: of that help. That's great. Well now, how long will this take? How long will uh, each of those procedures take in terms of uh, times in the operating room? The
0: first patient uh, who is the 13 year old with scoliosis uh, will probably be approximately six hours of surgery Uh, and then she'll be in the hospital for four or five days after and then go to rehab. The second patient is much more complicated, and we have him scheduled for uh, basically uh, all day long. His his surgery may take 10 or 12 hours, depending on how things go, and he will most likely need uh, intensive care unit stay afterwards and blood transfusions and, and maybe be in the hospital for more than a week before he's ready to go to rehab.
1: Wow, well, with these type of operations uh, and I, I know enough to be dangerous here, but where where the supports are placed uh, in the spine of an adolescent, what happens when that adolescent grows up and becomes an adult do, do do you Do you calculate those support things to to make them grow with the, or do you have to go back and do it again when they become an adult
0: well uh honestly, when we do Uh, a standard scoliosis operation with screws and rods, what we're really doing is we're fusing the portion of the spine that we're operating on so that it uh, is fixed in a straighter alignment. And uh, the price of that is that that portion of the spine will not grow anymore. Uh, So uh, what happens in practical fact is that, When the patient comes into the hospital and then has the surgery, they're acutely made taller by the surgery by straightening out their spine, Uh, and then that portion of their spine does not grow, but the rest of their spine and their extremities still grow. So as long as they're over the age of 10, they usually end up with a normal trunk height and normal ratio of their arms and legs to their torso, so they don't look abnormal, And honestly, if we delayed their surgery, they would just get shorter and shorter from the spine deformity. So in in essence, you're you're not really sacrificing any of their final height uh, by doing it. In the case of the patient with ankylosing spondylitis, his entire spine is already fused. So the disease process has done that. So we will not be changing that one bit by doing what we're doing. We're just going to essentially uh surgically very carefully break his spine and straighten it out so that he's standing up straight and then fix it that way and then try to coax it into healing in that new position
1: wow this is uh this is amazing amazing technology and i i am i'm so happy that you're doing it and you are obviously laser focused on these two procedures w- what has caused you to be so driven to do this
0: wow it's uh it's a number of things I, I think at the core of it uh i have always sought a uh, challenge in in my professional life and have really tried to uh, develop my own skills and abilities as much as possible and these uh, kinds of cases are extremely challenging so from an academic perspective it's very satisfying from from that side but I think even more important than that is just the idea that I'm doing something to help somebody who really needs it and would otherwise not have access to the kind of level of complex care that's necessary to to deal with this. There are, there are many other people in the world who do the same thing, but what I've learned in my trips to Africa is there is absolutely no shortage of people who need it. And uh, even though I I can name a long list of other spine surgeons who do similar work, uh, we can barely make a dent in this uh, without constant effort and more and more participation growing every year.
1: As this process continues, we'll check in with you to get updates on the two kids. And by the way, thank you for coordinating the massive number of people involved in this complicated procedure. Their lives will never be the same. I'm Art Young for Spine Talk.